0: You can turn in your Bibles if you want, just here in the in the beginning to to Hebrews in chapter twelve, and we're going to take it uh, those first three verses of Hebrews chapter twelve and kind of go back and forth throughout the message on those. And the first one isn't, I don't think, on your your list anywhere. But Hebrews twelve one is where we might start here in a few minutes. But uh, you know, as I was driving uh, this last week, we went up to the lake, we went up to Monticello, and we went to to ride on the boat a little bit. And as we were going, I was looking at the corn and. Uh, You know, corn's really in trouble when your kids who were 20 and 17 said, Man, the corn was pathetic. Uh, So I started looking around, and I mean, it was only like knee-high, and it was looking like yellow, and it wasn't real pretty, and they've had a lot of storms, they've had a lot of stuff that have happened, and there were big spots in the fields where there was nothing, there was no corn, there was no anything, and it was a little rough. It, It wasn't like my field. You know, I drove, then I got home and said, Well, I got to go check out my corn. I got to see where my corn's doing. If you haven't been here on Wednesday nights for a while, I've been looking at the corn out the, out the way from our house. And really, God began to speak to me that if we would really, if I would devote myself these two months in June and July to, to growing and, and to stretching myself in faith in Him, that He would, he would grow because that corn would go from a foot tall to eight feet tall in just two months. You know, it just shoots up. And uh, I went and checked out. Man, our, our corn's doing good. Our corn's up there. It's about, it's about this tall. I was going to take a picture today, but I ran out of time. So I'll get out there and take a picture. It's growing pretty tall. I'll probably get shot in that guy's field. But if I do, you know, I was just trying to get a picture of the corn. Uh, my brother and I didn't know the difference when we were little kids. We just thought every corn was corn you ate. So we were on our way back one time from Monticello from the lake up there in Indiana Beach with Grandma. And uh, he and I decided we'd get real brave. And we'd pull over, and we ran out into this field, man. And we started horking. <laughs> Statue of Limitations is over. We started horking all this, all this corn off these things, and we had our shirts full of it. We came, we ran, we dropped it back in the car, and we we're like, yeah, man, we're going to eat good corn tonight. We drive home, and we open up those things, and that's disgusting stuff. It's not the nice yellow stuff that you buy from the guy out here in the parking lot. I mean, it was gross. It had bugs in it. It was all nasty. It was all in the car. <sighs> Dad was glad to see that, you know. We're only here for one week in the summertime. Dad, we brought you some corn right out of some field somewhere, and it's full of bugs. So we'll bring that in your house, put it in your car. That was nice. But here's the question. Are you still growing? Are you still growing like the corn? There's adversity, and, and there's things that we face, and we have to endure. The corn endures the storm. Now, the, the corn that I saw earlier wasn't in doing so good at enduring. Now, it's not the corn's fault. I mean, understand that's just, a, you know, an example. But but that corn that's right around the corner from my house, boy, it, it faced the winds, it faced the storms and lot, all the things, and, it's man, it's growing, it's getting tall, it's looking great. You can face adversity, and you can stand in the storms, you can stand in the tests and the trials, and you can come through better than you were before. But you have to rely and stand on the Word of God. And it says in Hebrews in chapter 12, Says, let us run this race with endurance. Therefore, let us, since we are we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run this race with endurance. Let us run with endurance. It says, realize where you are, realize the race that you're running, and realize that finishing the race is the most important thing. But to run with endurance, not to burn out in the first five minutes not to hang out and have some left at the end. But if you watch somebody that really runs a race and they know what they're doing, they pace themselves and they finish with the right speed and when they finish at the end, they've given everything that they've had. Whether they were first, second, third or whatever, they pretty much finish with everything on the line. And God has asked us to live our lives that way. Don't have something left in the tank when you when you pass on. Don't flame out on God, you know, in 6 months. Don't try to do everything that he called you to do in 40 years and six months. You're going to blow up. You're going to blow a gasket. You won't be any good. But the other side of that is don't end up in the end saving it all. Oh, I'm going to save that one till the end. I'm going to save that one till the end. I'm going to save that one to the end. And then you die and you haven't done anything. You haven't run the race. It says run the race with endurance. And I've shared a little bit about this particular gentleman. That His name's David Goggins. And I've talked about it in a live. I had to ask Elizabeth earlier, have I mentioned this somewhere? I think I have somewhere on a Sunday morning or something. I, I talked about this guy's name's David Goggins. He's a Navy SEAL. And if you have YouTube, you go home on a computer, look at, get, get on YouTube and check out David Goggins, G-O-G-G-I-N-S. And the, the name of the, the video is Human Machine. And uh, he goes out and he runs what's called ultramarathons. The one that that he's depicting in this particular YouTube video is 150 miles. So he's going to set out on foot and run 150 miles. His average pace it was 13.27 minutes per mile. Now that's a pretty decent mile if you're running one, let alone 150 miles. But as you go through this video it begins to talk about all the things that he goes through. And I'm not saying you need to go out and run 150 miles because for you in your life where you are spiritually, 1 mile might be that race. And that might be the you know that might be the thing. This guy's worked himself up to the point where he's going to go run 150 miles because it pushes him to his limits and then past them. It brings up questions in his mind whether he can or cannot accomplish the thing that's in his heart. It it pushes his body to go past what he feels and, and what is bothering him and the nuisances of you know kidney failure those kind of things that I mean these are the things that he, he has faced and one run race he ran ninety and had kidney failure so he walked the next sixty. That's not your, that's not you know that's not letting these things and these situations stop you from from accomplishing the goal. But he goes through this thing and he begins to talk about the way that your mind begins to react And when you're running 150 miles at one time That that all of these different opportunities come And when when his body feels like he's at his worst and he's never going to be able to make it He has to make a decision whether he goes on or not But he says it's really unique That if, if you decide, if you make that decision to go through that door Or over the wall or around the corner or whatever you call it When you do that, he said, your body resets itself Once your mind begins to make the decision and the determination that you're going through that hard place, that you're going past the thing that's going trying to make you stop, once you make the decision to go through, he says your body resets. Now that he didn't say that was it, and at mile thirty he was done. That happens over and over and over again, and I think as believers, we've been through some tests, we've been through some trials, but what we forget is we've seen some victories. You know, God has come through on our behalf But each time, there's there's another opportunity There's another hardship, there's another trial There's another test, there's another stand There's another place for us To put to practice the things that we've learned in the past And then to make the good decision to push through But when we make that decision It all begins to reset And he says, you know, you get to that point Where you're not going to stop And you're not going to give up And in the end, you know, he runs 150 miles He wins his race, whatever whatever that is, but he says, I don't let anybody know that anything's going on inside. At the end of the race, he does about 20 jumping jacks, and he's smiling and doing his thing, and he gets his trophy, and I'm sure he goes around the corner and falls down and takes a good long nap, but you know what? He gets up the next morning at 3.45, and he takes off again, his daily regimen is 3.45 in the morning. He gets up. He runs 15 miles. He rides a bike for 60 miles. And then he does weights in the rest of his workout every day, day after day after day. And as a believer, I think sometimes we're going to take a little break. We're going to take some time off. We're going to let, oh, this thing's bringing me down. I'm just going to quit and I'm going to try to do something else. Well, you're never going to accomplish that other thing that you're trying to do until you come back and you face the thing and you move past that place. You can't invent a plan B for yourself when God has plan A over here just because plan A is hard. Just because you come up against something that you don't think you can get through, that you're tired of dealing with, that you don't know what's going to happen and how it's going to work, you can't come over here and say, you know what, then forget that. I'm going to come over here and I'm going to try plan B. Well, God's still, by, by the way, waiting behind the door of plan A for you to come through. So you can't get around this door and come over that direction You have to go through But it says in his word that we can do it It says in his word that we can make it through If you look in Hebrews, it's in chapter 6 And I don't know if this is in there in your list or not But it's, it's Hebrews chapter 6 It's verses 11 and 12 Basically it says, you know All through the Bible people faced difficult circumstances all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, that you know, I mean, people are throwing rocks at you. People are calling you names. People are killing people because they're Christians. You know, I mean, it, it, constantly armies coming after you. You got Goliath on hills. I mean, you, you are the one who people are attacking. We don't need to look at ourselves and say, "Boy, this is rough." Now, I granted the situation that you're going through, that you're facing today, is difficult, and, and it is a great test. It is a great trial. It gives a great opportunity, though. To push through that thing All through the Bible people were facing all of these things But it says here And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence To the full assurance of the hope until the end And then in verse 12 it goes on and says That you do not become sluggish In in the message Bible it says Don't be lazy But imitate those Who through faith and patience Inherit the promises Patience is a great word It means forbearance, fortitude It means long-suffering means going through some stuff gently going through some stuff with dignity going through some stuff with a smile on your face not beating people down along the way saying get out of my way i gotta do this for god oh my goodness get saved will you you know i mean you can't be yelling at your spouse would you to get saved so we could be blessed i mean that, oh sorry did i really kick you oh that's your sore leg sorry I can't hurt her. She's the painter. and She's almost done. She's coming in the home stretch. But I, I mean, you got to keep going through some stuff with your head held high. It didn't say that Abraham was cranky and a real mean guy for a long time until he had a kid. It didn't say that. It said he didn't waver. It says he trusted God. He believed what God said. It said he went where God told him to go and he did what God told him to do. And he was a happy guy. He's going to have a baby at 100. Yay. I don't want to have a baby at 42. You know, I mean, that's. But but he did. He said, hey, I'm going. I'm doing what God called me to do. He's going to come through for me. I know it. I trust him. See, regardless of what he faced, regardless of what he's up against, he endured until the end. The Bible's full of people who endured till the end. The New Testament is full of people who endured till the end. Is the world today full of people? Is the church today full? Full of people that endure till the end. Shared with the young people in Alive this last week. Don't give away a piece of yourself. Don't give away bits and pieces through laziness, through sin, through different things, through people pulling you back, through letting people do things in your life. You giving away a part here and a part there. Don't be less than what God created you to be. By giving a little piece of yourself along the way. Because the world is full of people who have maybe half lived the word. The world is full of people who have tried and then failed and then tried and then failed and then given up and then this. But, you know, there are very few people that, that really, truly, totally embrace the Word and go headstrong into it and say, Okay, God, Abraham, I'm going where you called me to go, regardless of where it is. See, th- those people are few and far between. Those people that just take this thing and say, You know what? I don't care about my situation. Don't care about my circumstance. And I told them, You're 20 years old. This is a great opportunity to give it a shot. It's going to work for you, and it will absolutely revolutionize your life. But even if it didn't, you're 20 and you're busted. So what? They didn't, yeah, they didn't think that was a lot of fun. They thought, I'm still, I'm still not doing so well. But it's not going to do that. God will. That's how God begins to shoot out. You look around the world, and you think about the Kenneth Copelands of the world and all those people. Kenneth Copeland is a great teacher of the Word of God. But I'm telling you what, that guy is living the Word of God beyond anything Many times beyond anything that we can hope, think, or even dream. I mean, he is, he's got wisdom, and he's got revelation, and he's living it in his life, and he's putting it into practice. Go back and look at his life, and look at the stories, and look at the things and the books that he's written, and begin to read all the things, that, and you think, you know, that's really simple. Wow. When you get a revelation of it, it's like, that is so true. Man, I wish I could do that. Just like Laurie said. Yeah, good for you. You know, people sit back there, I'm sure, and say, well, good for Kenneth Copeland. You know? But, but somewhere he was me. Somewhere he was you. Somewhere along the way in his life from where he was to where he is today, he was at our level somewhere. But you know what? He didn't let something stand between him and the next level. He endured that hostility. He endured that difficult time. He endured that season. He endured that lesson, that test, that trial. Whatever it was, he endured it, and he pushed through to the other side. And then on the other side, see, he wasn't like he was before. And he's changed. But we all have that ability In 2 Timothy in chapter 2 Paul is speaking And he's sharing with Timothy and he, he tells him some good stuff If you go to one, Sandy, I know that's not on your, on your list But it says in one, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace That is in Jesus Christ And the things that you have heard from me Among many witnesses Commit these to faithful men Who will be able to teach others also Yes, I will do that That is fantastic, as Pastor Bill and Pastor Pam have taught us and shared with us and go out and be Jesus in this world where we are and do all those kind of things. I'll do it. I'll do it. That's awesome. Read verse 3, because it says... You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier. And then if you go on and read this, and it talks about, you know, soldier, it talks about an athlete, it talks about the farmer. If you read it in the Message Bible, it lays it out very clean, 1 through 7. But it talks about all these different people so that you can relate to the people who go out there and they put their life on the line, and they work hard, and they don't give in, they don't give up. And the guy who wins that race is the guy who's been out there sweating and toiling and doing all those kind of things. The soldier who's at the end of the battle is the one who's seen it through that he's given up his life for the cause, that he's gone after it, that he's decided, you know what? I'm going to do everything that I can. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to help my brothers out. I'm going to do everything that I can do to further the cause, to see the victory. We just celebrated 4th of July Independence Day, Memorial Day in May. Historical days that, that we really set aside so that we can honor the men and the women the freedom that we have in the country, but because of the men and the women who gave their life and sacrificed for it. So that's the good soldier who goes out there and says, I'll, I'll do it. And are we that good soldier? Are we that person in our life? I encourage you today, you can be. If you're not, you can be. You can push through that difficult thing. I don't know what it is in your life, I know what it is in mine. And I'm standing and fighting and pushing and going and deciding that, you know what, I'm not going to go back. I'm going to grow like the corn. And not going to stop in July, not going to stop in August, and just continue on in what God has. We each have to come to that point. In my Bible, it has a little portion that kind of expounds on that verse and it talks about the minister of the gospel and we are all ministers of the gospel not just the minister of the gospel or the pastors of the church it's, it's it's the minister of the gospel the person who puts the word of god to practice in their life to reach out and not just be all god called you to be but to bring others into the body of christ as you continue to go and do that and it says that that person the minister of the gospel treasures the word defends it tirelessly He learns that patience, endurance, and hard work are necessary for success in what God called him to do. And I am all for a good time. But I'm telling you what, getting your nails, your hands dirty for the the work of the ministry, doing all this kind of, that's a good time. And, And in your life, I'm sure you'll find, and you have found, that you're never more fulfilled than when you're doing what God called you to do. I don't know if you're like me, but many times I've looked back and thought, why was I dragging myself to get here Why was I holding on to whatever that was That God wanted me to let go of Why was I thinking that this was so important That I couldn't say Okay God just take it I want to go You know what I was sharing with those young people You can do that Wherever you are in your life Whether you're 18, 28, whatever you are you, mean you can do that You're in a great position in your life To be different than anybody that's at Ivy Tech Anybody that's over Purdue Anybody that's your age that's working There's a lot of you out there It's the biggest generation in the world And you could be, like, completely different than any one of them. Heads and tails above. And I don't want to just always, you know, throw my kid out there, but Daniel's beginning to buy into the things of God. He's beginning to say, you know what, I really believe that this is true. He's beginning to, you know, put to practice the things that he reads. And he may or may not do it in all the areas of his life, but I can see it in the things that he says. I can see it when I'm sharing, and I'm his dad, and I'm talking and alive, and I'm sharing with these kids, and he's got it, you know, he's, he's there, and he's nodding, and he's listening, and he's taking in what I say. When grandma's sharing, or grandpa, or whoever it might be, he's listening to the things that they're telling him, and he's putting them in his heart. And then even more than that, he's beginning to put them to practice in his life. And I think he realized, my dad screwed up. <laughs> and he had a few years there where he really messed things up. And I think he's determined in his heart not to do that. So good comes from everything, apparently. <laughs> Praise God. God turned it all around for good. Let it be for him. That's awesome. You know, I've had some discussions and said, Listen, dude, let me tell you what. I was where you were, and this is what I did, and it didn't work. So, you know, you just take that for what it is. And when he's your kid and you're down there in the basement, you can be pretty much blunt and straight with him. And I didn't necessarily say it like that, but he understood what I said. I said, It would, it would definitely be your advantage To go a different direction and he goes don't worry dad i get it i said okay but see he may be 20 you know he may be 22 brandon you know i mean but we're 30 we're 40 we're 50 we're 60 that doesn't matter where we are we still have that opportunity now to 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 go past that place where we are to go into what god has for us but we have to and maybe endure some things as we go That's the one thing that over the last couple years that I've been in this position and been in this job, that's the one thing that's probably been the most difficult for me because I've been a little shielded in those 13 years where I taught and did this on the side. I was shielded from the day-to-day situations in people's lives. I was shielded from those opportunities where people would come into my office and tell me how awful it is after I just preached a message that said it wasn't like that. You know, and, and, and after being in Pastor Bill's class, I didn't hear all the people the next six weeks come and tell them why all that wasn't going to work and why in their life it was different. See, I was shielded from all that negative side of things, and I just thought everybody was really cool. Everything was going great. I thought everything was awesome, and everybody just kind of walks around, you know, high-fiving each other, and it's, it's good stuff. But what I found is, and in my life as well, I found that we all need encouragement. We need somebody to say, come on, buck up, man. Forget that. Let's change our mind, change our mind, change our thoughts. I've had people that have done that in my life plenty. But that's the part of this thing that says, come on. I know it's difficult. I know you're pushing through some things. But then here's where God has really given me a wisdom. What's the alternative? I mean, here's the deal. You know what the Word says. You know what what God's speaking to you. You know what you should be doing. So what's the alternative to to doing all God wants you to do? Uh, Not doing anything God wants me to do. Great! That's a good place to be. So it becomes clear real quick. Oh, hold on. It's amazing how fast I can change when I stop for a second and think, hold on, this is what God said. This is the opposite, and I'm over here. Oh, I better get back on this other side. It becomes very clear. And if you have people in your life that can do that, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you doing that all the time. But I think many times we're becoming masters at kind of hiding that voice a little bit here and there. And when the hard things come, we tend to say, oh, it's hard. Yeah, it's tough. It's rough. Oh, And then you want to tell somebody about how hard it is. They're going through something too. Don't everybody get together and bring you all down. Somebody put on a cheerleading skirt and do a little cheer. We'll get Mike in here. We'll get him in a cheerleading outfit with some pom-poms. And uh, it'll be something. But but Timothy was supposed to endure hardship as a good soldier, which means he puts on the stuff and he goes to work and he goes to battle and he fights and he stands. Don't give up. Because your your miracle, your thing Your opportunity is right around the corner Somebody was just, God was preparing their heart To give her a plane ticket And she says, you know what, this never works I'm going to eat my seed, I'm not going to give nothing I'm just going to drive all the way to She could have had a bad attitude About driving to Florida And saying, fine, I'm going to be stuck in the car with this guy For 24 hours On my anniversary trip You know, I spent two and a half days driving She could have been cranky and you know what she probably would have ended up with? Cranky! And, and just what she was expecting. Two and a half, two and a half days of, of good time with Joe. But instead she said, you know what? This is the desire of my heart. And right now, financially, this, this would be a huge hardship for us to do that. And I know I can't do that, God, but I know you can. And I'm going to take my seat and I'm going to plant it in good ground. And even though I'm facing things that look like this could never possibly happen, I'm going to release my faith I'm going to trust in you to take me through this place in my life. And as she began to do that in her life, she did it so joyfully. And really, truly, if she had to drive, she would have been fine. Because her attitude was, hey, you know what? I am trusting God that He's going to take care of me. A little bit like the Abraham thing that said, hey, God is willing to raise Isaac up, and if not, He'll give me another one. Basically, is the way that went. And she said, I'm going to do, I'm just going to trust God. God, you're going to come through for me. And boom, somebody meets him in the parking lot with Airlines. Praise God. Luckily, he didn't park in the back. You might have missed it. Parked in the right spot. But it says that you, you have to endure stuff. Don't let the stuff... See, don't let the stuff pull you away from where God's asked you to go. The enemy's he's great at throwing stuff. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's just something to do that's going to take your time away from the God thing in your life. Don't get too many good things... Ten good things doesn't equal one God thing in your life. And so those things kind of become hardships too. Don't let all of that, don't try to outwork yourself, go do the God thing. Don't try to do ten good things to make up for that God thing that you're not going to do. In your life, you'll never make it unless you do the God thing. But stuff happens. Thank God Jesus endured that he went through the stuff and he pressed through to the end. He didn't stop. He had the choice He had a choice He had a call He had a plan He had a purpose He was on this earth Just like each one of us And he faced all of those Same kind of temptations And all that stuff And the opportunity to sin And the opportunity to give up The opportunity to quit The opportunity to Bring some vengeance Down on people I mean he had, he had those opportunities In his life He had people after him All the time Nagging him And questioning him And bothering him And, and doing all kinds Of crazy stuff But it said He persevered It said he endured The cross It says in Hebrews, at that third, that third verse, he endured the cross, despised the shame. But he endured. The word endure, if you look, it's on your notes, I think it's in there somewhere. It says to I mean to last, to persist, and to suffer firmly and patiently. Hallelujah, I'm going through some stuff, but you ain't ever gonna know. That's what that David Goggins said. I'm going through 150 miles, and ain't nobody gonna know there's a weakness here. He said, I am not gonna show anybody. Now he's a Navy SEAL. But spiritually, you've been through boot camp. You know, you've been through VBI. You've taken classes. You've sat here under teaching of Pastor Payment Bill. You've been through spiritual boot camp in your life. Call yourself a spiritual seal. And don't go, don't go giving in anywhere. He said, no weakness. Nobody knows. And it's amazing when I mean, you watch him. The guy in the beginning of the race says, uh, the, the, the course is 10 miles. So go ahead, take your time getting used to it. He said, you got 15 laps. Fifth, huh? I can't do 15 laps around the track at the school. And this guy's 15 10-mile loops. He says, there are going to be parts you like and parts you don't. And no kidding, man, like one of them is a straight-up hill. So think about it. You're 140 miles in the dark, and you turn the corner, and you've got to run up this hill again. I'm sure there's some opportunity to get discouraged along the way. But he said, no weakness. My mind is focused on the plan, it's focused on the goal, it's focused on where I'm going. When that position comes up and says, I've got to make a decision, I make a decision to push through. My mind resets, my body resets, and I move on. It's am- I mean, it's amazing. We give ourselves pretty much no benefit of the doubt. We think we're weaker than we really are. We think we can do less than we can really do. See, we always we always find the way out instead of the way through. How many of you have been in a thing or a place or a race or you're working out or you're running or you're walking or you're cleaning your house or whatever you're doing and you thought, that's it, I'm done. I can't do anymore. For me, that's like making the bed. I'm done. Can't do anymore. But then somebody, what do they do? They come alongside you and they begin to encourage you. And they begin to tell you that, you know what, you're not? Come on, we can do this together. Together we can do it. Come on. You know what? I know you're better than this. I know you can do this. I know you can get past it. I know you can move forward. I know. Spiritually in our life, the Holy Spirit's doing that to us all the time. It says in the beginning of that particular verse that we read in Hebrews in chapter 12, it says, you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. It's all those people who, by faith, by faith, by faith, in chapter 11, did all those things. They're up there cheering you on, saying, come on, you can do it. How many of you have been in those places and somebody's done that in your life and all of a sudden you got what? Renewed energy and you moved a little farther and you did a little more and you went a little. So you went past what you thought you could do. You went through the hardship because, not because of anything else, nothing changed. You're still the same person. They didn't come up and shock you with something, they didn't hook you up to a battery, they didn't do anything. They just talked to you and began to change your mind. And once you begin to change your mind, then you could do more than you thought you could do. You know more than you think you know. Begin to put yourself in positions out there. Some of us, we won't say anything to somebody because I'm not afraid. I'm I'm, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what I would say to them. Awesome. Let the Holy Spirit tell you. Holy smokes. We don't put ourselves in position where we're pulling on that anointing and pulling on God. As he's saying, hey, go over there and begin to minister to that person in your neighborhood. You think you're going to minister to him. I don't know how to say. I didn't take that class in VBI. I didn't, hey, go out there and let God be God let him be big. He's encouraging you. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you. If he called you to do it, he, he's going to be right there with you. And he's not going to leave you. So that thing that you face, the enemy makes it look huge, Goliath. But God's given you a stone and a sling. And he says, trot down the hill and take a shot. And if you'll push through that hardship, if you'll push through that place. I was excited with Sandy because I've seen the way that, she, that she's had to like have the checkbook hid from her. Because she'll give everything that she's got. Brad says, oh, i got to watch out, man. She'll give everything away. She'll give the house, the car. She'll give it all away. Praise God. I mean, she's like, hey, devil, you want to take this? Boom, give away a car. There we go. Now what are you going to (laughs) do? You know, I mean, when you put yourself out there and you say, okay, God, I I trust you. I believe you so much. I'm going to do what you ask me to do regardless of what's going to happen. But you know what? When you put yourself out there, you're pushing through that hard place. Now, you're not that person anymore. You've grown in your life. And then God begins to pour out things. He begins to open the door, and He begins to, to fill up that promise side of things in your life. It's a great place to live. To the flesh, it's a little spooky. But you can push through. Faith takes you to a whole new realm and a whole new place. Hebrews 11, 1, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's the concrete assurance and the proof that what you hope and believe in your heart is true is. It is true. And it will happen, and faith takes you there. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because he who comes to God has to believe that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It says that in 11.6 of Hebrews. But faith is that thing that goes. And I find in my life that when I face tough times, that's, that's, that's the thing that begins to wane. It's that faith, that spark, that thing that's, that's gotten me to that place that said, Come on, you could do it. Come on, step out. Come on. And then you step out. And it's like, Oh, it's hard. And I started thinking, Oh, maybe not. Maybe I've missed God. Nine times out of ten, I haven't. I've just given up in that, in that moment. But faith is the thing that begins to get buckets poured on it. Where Pastor Pam has to shake me around a little bit and say, Hey, hey, what'd God say? Who are you? Come on. What's the matter with you? <laughs> those are the nice things. There's some other things too, you know. Corey rattles my cage a little bit, comes in and says a few things to me. I mean, people in my life have that opportunity to come and say, Hey, you all right? What's the matter? And yeah, I'm fine. I've just faced something difficult, and all of a sudden I kind of backed up for a second, and my fire went dead, and I kind of lost my slip, and I'm, all of a sudden I'm discouraged. And I mean, if you're not careful, man, that just the devil comes, and he begins to steal from you in those places. Don't let a hardship keep you from a blessing. I found in my life that there haven't been too many blessings that I had not had to push through something to get there. You're going to have a big blessing, Jen. And I'm believing for perfect Monday delivery that's going to be great. So Pastor Pam can have somebody to sing on Sunday. But (laughs) how many of you have been in there? And that hasn't been a pretty situation. It's tough on the man. That's what I told Elizabeth. It's really tough. It's harder on me than you. (coughs) Yes, it is. I love that woman. And what she feels, I feel. (laughs) I'm just thinking, thank God that wasn't me. And then I know I'm never going to mess with her. Because I just saw her do that. She could kill me in a heartbeat. I wouldn't stand a chance, But 2 Corinthians 5.7 says that that I walk by by Faith. faith and not by sight. I walk by faith. See, without faith, you're lost. I walk by faith and not by sight. That's like being out there with the night vision goggles, and you can see where you're going, you see what you're doing, and then what if you don't have them? You're bumping into trees. You don't know what you're doing. You end up sitting down and hiding under a rock. You can't advance without your sight and faith. I walk by faith and not by my natural sight. I mean, it says that. It says it in the Word. In Mark, in chapter 11, we've read it a bunch of times, 22 through 24. If you believe those things that you speak, if you cast them out into the sea, if you believe what you speak, you shall receive. That belief, our faith is believing beyond a shadow of a doubt. That this is it. This is going to happen, and I'm following after God. His mercies are new every morning. I thank you for your grace, Father, and your goodness that takes me to where you have for me to go. It's tough. Okay, well, give me a plow. Give me a bat, give me a shovel, give me whatever I need, Lord, give it to me, and I'll go through there. I'll do what you've called me to do. I don't want to see hardship keep me from advancing the kingdom. I'm learning in this position and in this job that I have to follow and to stand in a, in a new level. And let me tell you, I don't know if I want to go. You know, I mean, like in the national, I'm thinking, I don't want to go there. I've seen what these two go through over the last two years. And I was like, forget that, man. He's nice to everybody. <laughs> I don't know if I could be nice to everybody. He always has a good word. He's always, he always does act like Jesus in just about every single situation. And I know I'm over there with a pitchfork and a bat trying to take somebody out. I'm thinking, oh, whoa, man, we're in trouble. But see, when you go to a new level, you get to make that decision if you're going to push through that hard place. And it's going to take sacrifice, and it's going to take laying some things down. It's going to have to take pushing through some tough times. It's going to take getting on the knees and praying. And it's going to take all of those things to go to that next place and that next level. But if you don't, what's the opportunity, what's the option, what's left? You're going to end up where you are. And I'm telling you what, more people get upset with where they were. Not with the fight that they have. They get upset in the end because they've gone, all they've just kind of wandered away. Fight through that thing. Those are the things that, I mean, I'm right there with you. I'm facing those things too. It says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, in verse 16, the things that you see, the things that you face, those are temporal things. This guy faces a race that's 150 miles. He's either going to make it or he's not. But if he doesn't stop moving he will make it if he stops he won't it's that simple there is an obstacle but that obstacle is temporary one way or the other it's temporary he will either finish that thing and he will pass through there or he'll stop so either way it's going to it's going to it's going to mean something to him but it says here in verse 16 it says therefore we not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing yet the inward man is being renewed day by day that means on the inside you're getting better on the outside Whatever. We're getting older. We're moving on, whatever that might be. But then it goes on and says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now that's the part sometimes that we, you know, it's that, man, we're working towards something. And God's really put that in my heart over this last about six months. Is this idea that, you know what, you have an opportunity of like 85 years on this earth, to make a difference for the kingdom of god and that is what you're going to live on in your life for 85 billion years after that see for eternity after that the reward for the things that you do on this earth you're rewarded here on earth in this time where you are but it also says in heaven and that's the part that god's really begin to to begin to put in my heart and begin to speak to be a servant To love people To to help people To reach out to people To bring Jesus to people To change people's lives Because it's about It's about bringing people Into the kingdom And seeing God be big In their life Our life is just a life that we live That's difficult That's a a tough concept Many times for us To understand and to get But, But if you If you turn yourself over And say God Whatever you called I'm good Whatever you ask I'm there I'll do whatever you want me to do Whenever you want me to do it I'm telling you, the fulfillment that comes with that with that on this earth is beyond anything that you can hope, think, or ask, or dream. I mean, it really is. But it but it really begins to be the, the rubber in the road, so to speak. And it's this this eternal thing. It's this thing that goes on beyond. And I started thinking about it in my life. Well, so what if I didn't save like a million bucks? Have you seen that commercial where those dudes are carrying around the money and that's their number? And and they say, This is my number, this is what I need to rely to, to retire. Well, it's like the million five I, I'm not going to make a million five in, my, in, in income, probably If I taught, I would never make that And this guy's carrying it around That's what he saved And I thought, oh, my life's over Immediately, that did not make me feel better about myself That made me feel worse about myself Because my number's about 56 bucks Because that's about what's in the pocket Or, you know, the ticket And it's like, whatever, I mean, that was it and I started thinking, God What's my number? You know, what do I? <clears throat> I'm in trouble. I ain't got no number. And I got nobody that's helping me get a number. Do I, do I need a number? And it was a real easy. It was a piece that came that said, I'll take care of it. I'm your number. What are you planning in the kingdom of God? Oh, it's kind of like E.F. Hutton. It was E.E.F. God Hutton. He was speaking to me, and I heard what he was saying. I say, and they began to show me the scripture, began to speak to me. It's that eternal side, that eternal side. You don't have to worry about those things. You continue to plant. You continue to give. You continue to seed, not just your finances, but seed yourself. You begin to seed yourself into what I've called you to do. And then let me take care of all of that stuff. That, doesn't it say that in my word? Yes, it does. That, that if I'll give, if I'll seed myself, that you'll take care of all those things. And he said, have I got? Yeah, you got me this far. Can I get you? the? Yeah, you can give me the rest of the way. Will you stop watching those commercials? Yes, I'll turn them off. I won't worry about my number anymore. Because then he began to speak to me, who cares what your number is? What if you spent your whole life trying to amass this thing? When you get done and you die and you go to heaven, it stays here. Now, I'm all about, you know, taking care of the family and all those other ones. But I took care of mine by speaking the Word into their little lives and bringing them up to do what God called them to do so they could hear the Spirit and they could grow and they could be all God wanted them to be. I don't financially have to take care of them the rest of their lives. Oh, would I love to? Sure. But see, I'm just going to give myself to them. And then when I'm done, I know I gave everything that I had. I did everything that, that was possible That God wanted me to do That I didn't let hardship stop me from pushing through That I said you know what Bring it on You know I mean you can get in those places And then you can run Or you can get in those places and you can push through And it's time As believers it's time in my life To face that thing And then push through Because I found what's on the other side Is much greater than the difficulty it was to get through there I mean, you have to push through some stuff to get there. It goes on in the end in that one in 17, in 2 Corinthians, in chapter uh, 4 there, in 17. My Bible's falling all apart, so I'll try to... Oh, there it is. It says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. In verse 7 and 18, it says, "Well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Because the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. How are you planting? How are you walking? How are you... See, what are you speaking? What are you seeing? Are you seeing those things that are out there or are you seeing them as they are? Did you see, like my, my parents saw me as something different than what I was for a whole chunk of years. Thank God they saw me as what I was supposed to be and not what I was being. Because they knew enough to know that this word was true. That if if they would keep their focus on what I'm supposed to be and what God called me to be and speak those things into my life and not the stuff I was doing, to love me right, you want to think that wasn't hard? I'd have put me in a closet. I'd have got me a one-way ticket to somewhere that wasn't Lafayette. Quick. Because they're starting the church and I'm wandering around doing all kinds of stupid stuff. At one point, and I don't think I've ever said this, <laughs> I, was, I had a job when, before I got this one or whatever that saying is, so, you know, well, I was looking for a job when I got this one, so I'll be looking for a job again, I see, whatever, but I was on a bus trip to Chicago, and uh, my dad had a business, you know, and he, he did some advertising. And part of the benefit was they sent, you know, they gave him a, a ticket on this bus to go to the White Sox game, sit in a suite. Ride this bus up there, sit in the suite, you know, and hang out. I think talked to you about this one time, but, you know, you sit in this suite, and there is nothing but booze everywhere. And so I was like, Amen. <laughs> This is perfect, and it's free, and I was never one not to drink a free anything, so if it was free, I was going to finish it up, because I didn't want to leave anything on the table, and you better check my pockets when I leave, because I probably had some extra, but when I, you know, when I was on this bus, there was a dude from church (laughs) on the bus. And I didn't really probably set the best example. And, you know, in the end, I mean, I had to go to this guy and say, look, now, I didn't change my life or nothing, but I did know enough to go to this guy and say, look, I'm sorry, don't take this out of my parents. <laughs> I am an idiot, and this is, this is all me throwing up in the bus, okay? It wasn't them. <laughs> they sent me on this trip. Thanks for helping me home. <laughs> but it wasn't them. That's a hardship. See, that's an opportunity for somebody to decide that they're going to look at what is out there and not what they see. And so I say that to you for encouragement if you've got kids and family members and people who are out there doing things that they, they ought not and not really living the life that they should be living, that don't give up. Push through. Push through for them. In that hard place, I know it. I know it had to be hard. I've been thanking my mom ever since. Thank you. I've come to her a few times and said, "Thank you for doing that. Thank you for pushing through. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for not giving up on me." That they didn't speak a bad word. That they just ref- they flat out refused to say bad things about me. And I was giving them every opportunity to give that. You know, I mean, I'd say, "Here's another opportunity." As I fall down your stairs into the basement. Thank God for baby monitors. Man, they tell on me all the time as I tumble down the stairs. But they decided that me now was worth the sacrifice then. And we're talking five, six years of sacrifice. You know, and then from then to now, another 10 years or whatever. You know what I mean? So this has been a long road, but but they decided that that was worth it. The silence and not saying what they felt and not saying what I deserved and not wrapping me up against one of these poles. See, that was worth it to them to say, you know what? God has a better way. This is a hard place. We have to endure. We have to push through. Why? Because God has something for him. And if we don't stand for him, if we don't speak that thing into his life, Who knows what's going to happen, so let's stand. And it says in Ephesians in chapter 6, that if you're in that place, it says he's given you the armor of God. It says put it on so that you can stand against the wiles of the enemy. He didn't just give you a shield. This isn't a duck and cover exercise. They could have gone somewhere and just said, you know what, you know, lock the doors and not let me come around. They could have tried to ignore me. They could have done all those things. But you know what? Instead, they embraced me. They loved me. They spoke the word. They prayed for me. They reached out. They helped. I don't know if it was because of Elizabeth and the baby, but, you know, whatever. They were doing all they could to make a difference in our life. But in Ephesians in chapter 6, it says, Get up on the rock. Get up on the word of God. Take your shield. Yep. But you also got a sword. And a sword is an offensive weapon. And when you're in a hard place, sometimes it's easier just to kind of buckle over under that thing and just take it. I'm just going to take it until it's over. Most of the time when I've decided to just go ahead and take it till it's over, I got discouraged, I got weary, it never ended, it didn't get better. And then 6 months later I decided, well, I'll pick up my sword here somewhere and I guess I'll take a couple hacks. See, somewhere along the way, you've got to get the word in your hand. And you've got to begin to use that thing. Begin to speak it into your life. Begin to speak against that thing. Begin to bind and loose, like it says, He's given us the keys to heaven to bind and to loose. Begin to do that. Oh, it sounds silly. Who cares? It saved my life. You know, I'm sure when people talk to them and they said, Oh, yeah, he's a great man of God and all that kind of stuff, they probably looked around and said, You know the guy? He just threw up on the bus, you know that wasn't. But then, man, they, they knew that they needed to speak what God said. But they held their sword and they began to speak those things into existence. But, but that's the deal. And Ephesians chapter six says, "Put on the armor." It says you can stand against the wiles of the enemy. That he's given us those things. He's given us the opportunity. He's trained us. We know the word. And he says, "Now begin to stand against that thing. Begin to push." and begin to allow God to make a difference. And you begin to use your sword and your shield and your sword and your shield. And before you know it, you're past that time and that place and that point in your life. But there's going to be another one. Pastor Bill's noted for saying, adversity will come, you know, and we all go, oh, awesome. He goes, no, really, it's going to come. How you deal with it's going to make the difference and be the determining factor in your life of what happens. You will face adversity. Adversity. And it doesn't matter what it is in your life. Maybe it's airplane tickets. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's food for the week. Maybe I mean, Whatever you're facing, that seems like a hardship that's serious to you. Where you are in your life, that is serious. But we serve the same God. And He's a good God. And He's provided the way and He's opened up doors for you in the past. And He'll do it again in your life. But don't give up in the hard time. Push through. Endure till the end. Let God be.